If you spend as much time in the car as I do, it can be hard to fit that captivating novel into your busy life. But did you know that with the audiobooks on Audible, you can sync up your reading progress on your Kindle with the audiobook, automatically picking up where you left off on both mediums? If you're as surprised as I was, you should check out Audible for 30 days free and get your first audiobook on us. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash genre. That's audibletrial.com forward slash G-E-N-R-E. Weirdo bookworms unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies, and welcome to October Horror Month. Yay! It's a spooky month for everyone. Yay, it's the most magical time of the year, in my opinion. Oh, it is definitely our Christmas. Yes. So first off, we're going to talk about some short stories, and then we're going to move on to our our entree, if you will, um, which is The Hunger by Alma Katsu. So first of all, uh, hi, Scott. Hi, Sandra. So we've already started to get into the spooky season. You know, we got the Halloween programming starting on TV, horror movies coming out. It's a very wonderful time of year. We hope that you're enjoying it as much as we are. Let's see. One thing I wanted to mention is I finally watched Terrifier. I watched that with friend of the show, uh, Jen, who's going to be on this Halloween season. And wow, that is quite the film. Quite is the it film. a terrifier? It's pretty disgusting. It's like vile and dirty and gritty and very enjoyable. It, do you think, that again, that this would be a horror film that Scott would enjoy? No, but I kind of want you to watch it anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. Okay. I, I, I want you to know and experience Art the Clown, the serial killer, in this uh, in this um, already occult classic movie. You watched a horror movie with a clown. Yes. I'm I'm shocked. Me too. Clowns clowns do scare me. I'm sorry, they scare me. I don't like them. I don't like any clowns. Don't come at me if you look like a clown. It's a legitimate fear of Sandra's. Is no, clowns. I really get super uncomfortable around them, which is probably why I enjoyed him so much. So let's talk about these short stories real quick. So these stories were sent to us by Troy, on um, who we know through social media. Troy's an up-and-coming writer, and these two short stories he sent us are from his collection, which is coming out October 19th, called White Noise. And this is by Troy Defenderfer. Ooh, I hope I said that right. D-I-F-F-E-N-D-E-R-F-E-R. Let's just call him Troy. The short story collection actually has a really fascinating concept. All of the short stories are based on rock and roll songs. I love that. I'm a big fan of horror short story collections. Sometimes I sit down and read them from cover to cover. Other times I kind of pick them up and I read a story here or there. Just kind of depends on my mood. But I like to have them around for when I do need kind of like a horror palette cleanser. And a good concept does a lot when you want to tie all the stories together. I'm a big fan of short stories in general, but uh, horror lends itself to a short story incredibly well. Oh, yeah, the best, arguably. So the two stories he sent us are Ghost, which is a song by Bad Flower, and Blood Trophies, which is by Shaman's Harvest. Not, like, familiar with either of those bands. I'm not uh, familiar but I love with either of them either. I, I was actually going to ask what songs we were, these were based on, because I, I kind of got uh, glimpses of Bohemian Rhapsody from Blood Trophies. That's pretty awesome. 
Um, yeah, we're, but we are big rock and roll fans. That's like our genre of music we listen to a lot. And a lot of the kids don't listen to it enough. So hopefully, you know, maybe this will get some people listening to some rock music again. Uh, both stories are disturbing. The subject matter is not easy to hear, especially Ghost, which deals with the topic of suicide. Ghost is a very powerful, it, it is, it is terrifying in, in, this sounds weird, but in kind of a fun way to begin with. It's certainly terrifying, but it's presented in a way that's kind of fun, almost uh, Beetlejuice-esque. Yeah, I did get some Beetlejuice vibes from it as well, in the best way. But it ends up being very powerful and very sad, and I, I really enjoyed the theme of that story. Me too. Uh, Troy's style of writing, for me, was very approachable and very comfortable. Um, it took me from like some laugh-out-loud moments to feeling emotional. And uh, like it's it's rare that someone really actually makes me like smile in a laughing way when I read something. So I got to give him props for that. And it's also so impressive to me when a short piece writer can capture characterization really strong. And I feel that that was the most successful takeaway from these two stories for me is I just thought that was a sign of a good, strong writer of short fiction because I was like, okay, these two stories are two completely different characters with two completely different points of view. And very different writing styles. Yeah, absolutely, because it's that's that character's perspective. And that's really good because when you read a short story collection, you want some diversity. You don't want to feel like you're just reading a long novel about one character. So I'm very excited to pick up the entire collection. So that collection is White Noise by Troy Defendifer. I really hope we're saying your name right. Sorry, Troy. So let's go on to our main event that we're going to be talking about. We're going to do this in our traditional format where we talk about the book and then we give you a spoiler warning break and then we talk about it unguarded. So our first novel for October is The Hunger by Alma Katsu. This story is a horrifying reimagining of the real-life expedition of the Donner Party. The Donner Party, or Donner Reed Party as it is sometimes called, were a group of American pioneers who set out in a wagon train from Missouri to California to settle there in 1846. The Donner Party is infamous for having struggled through a harsh winter and that some of the members resorted to cannibalism to survive. You can do your own independent research about the cannibalism, but for the sake of the episode, we're going to assume that people were eating people. <laughs> In Katsu's book, she takes a creative approach to what led the group to cannibalism and mayhem. As a, as a native Californian, the Donner Party has kind of always been a subject in just, you know, my childhood taught in school. There's a lot of details about that that I don't know about. There's a lot of details that they don't teach children about, but it's always been kind of fascinating for me. Oh, yeah. And I remember in school, they kind of glossed over the cannibalism part and all the kids are like, wait, what? What? Talk to me more about that. Because cannibalism is one of the biggest taboos. Yeah, that, that's crazy. That's crazy. I want to know more about that. Yeah, because it's creepy. And it's interesting. And of course, it automatically makes you think of would I do that? Would I eat somebody? Like, I, I, like, you can't imagine it. I certainly cannot imagine myself ever eating anybody. But then I'm like, but then I die and someone's going to eat me. Oh, I'll get down on some long pig. No worries. No. Ew, if, I, if I'm no. freezing in the wilderness, I'll, 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 I'll gnaw I'll on, a, on a leg bone. No problem. You are, you say that, but I do not believe you. Oh, no, absolutely. I would not. Never, ever. 
<laughs> Not like I've done it already or anything. Yeah, no, never. I would I would never even consider cooking and eating a person. Or, or their toes. Yeah. Or their delicious fingers. Mm-hmm. Yep. With so that little crunch do- when you bite into them. <laughs> it's like a pork rind. <laughs> so should we talk about our experiences reading this book? I, yes. Do you want to go first? Um, sure. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so for me, uh, this has been a weird couple of weeks already. So reading in general has been a little bit of a struggle for me. But separating that, I felt that The Hunger had some pacing problems that gave me some issues getting into it. I enjoyed it, but but ultimately, I would give the book a score of a book for me. So I think I'm kind of with you on this. My experience was weird. I, I was like a pinball machine. I went from good read to struggle almost every other chapter. So in fairness, I guess it would be a book for me. An enjoyable enough experience, but I won't reread or highly endorse. And I feel weird saying that because there's parts I really liked. And I think a lot of people will like totally connect with this book in a way that I didn't. So I'm not trying to scare anybody off of it. I mean, I think if this is a subject that's fascinating to you, you should see what you think of it. I think when you said from chapter to chapter, you had a different experience. I think that perfectly encapsulates exactly kind of what my problem with it was. And I'm curious, I'm curious if you agree. I felt like from chapter to chapter, the book had trouble deciding if it was going to be a a historical reimagining with, you know, serious hard details of actual historical dates and facts mm-hmm. and, and, and characters. Yeah, because like almost every single character in this book was based on a real person. Right. And then sometimes it felt like, okay, it's really decided to be a suspenseful horror novel with, you know, really slow build up to a release of horrible things. And then sometimes it decides to be a a character exploration. The problem with that, though, is there's so many characters and it tries to highlight on so many of them. I really had trouble grasping on to a, a core set of characters in the book. I love historical horror. And I don't want people to stop writing it. I really want people to keep exploring this genre because I think it's fantastic. And she definitely has an eye for the detail without it being boring. Like, I didn't feel like I was reading a textbook or anything. But it definitely felt like, you know, when she isn't going for the fantastical, she was, you know, trying to give you some, like, some, like, knowledge, which I commend. The, the, again, as I said earlier, the Donner Party story is already horrific, and I would be absolutely happy to read a day-by-day journey in the lives of these characters going through what they're going through. And I, I, and I love historical horror for that reason as well. You know, adding in a little bit of a twist to things that really did happen is, is really interesting and fascinating. So real quickly, I want to tell everybody we will have a trigger warning later in the spoiler section at the very beginning of it. You know how we do that sometimes before we start talking about spoilers. So if you want to know what that trigger is, just keep listening. But we wanted to talk about (laughs) something that's a little touchy that is not a trigger warning. So this book takes place in the 1840s, which was not a good time to be a woman, a person of color, a homosexual, or an animal. And all of those uh, cultural touchstones, all of those those beliefs are present in this book. They're handled historically correctly. They're handled uh, sensitively. But, you know, the, the term Indian is not really appropriate anymore. But that is what they called them, and that's what they're called. Right. And, I mean, not that it's gotten, 
like, oh, so much easier for any one of those things that we named to exist in our current era, but it is slightly better. Um, I'm not gonna lie, for me, part of what kind of hindered my experience with this book was the treatment of women and animals specifically. And I know as somebody who loves history, I I can normally like really isolate those parts of my brain, but I think the women thing, maybe it's because of some stuff that's currently going on in America and our political climate right now, but I was just depressed and fatigued reading about the treatment of women at this time. Now, that's not to say there aren't some great female characters in this book, because there sure as hell are. But it was just like, I was so annoyed by it. And the animals, too. And I know that's entirely, you know, these people's way of life was having animals that oxen that pulled their wagon and, you know, farm animals that they're going to eat. But I'm not like a big, (laughs) not like a big carnivore. (laughs) So it was really, really hard for me to read that stuff because I just wanted to go and save all the cows. And it was very difficult. The, The parts with the animals were probably the most horrifying things for me, which is actually kind of saying something when you think the story is about cannibalism right i'm glad you felt the same way it was hard because the 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 animals are treated terribly and 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 the descriptions of their of the way that they are butchered and slaughtered and eaten are incredibly graphic in this book and 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 it makes for horrifying scenes but i i want to hear more about your about your opinion of the treatment of women in this book because i felt uncomfortable both by the way that they were treated in just this they were hopelessly beholden to men throughout the entire story mm-hmm. and there were very strong female characters i agree with you yeah especially tamson i really enjoyed yeah but Part of it is possibly appropriate because of the times, but even the strength that was in those female characters were still very much built around men. I felt like the three major female characters that we get to know and love and root for in this book, Tamsin Donner, Alitha Donner, and Mary Graves, they all kind of start out a little shallow, especially Tamsin, where it was kind of like, I was a little bit annoyed by the treatment of the character, but it certainly ramps up as they go through things and the story develops and they're put in these real life and fantastical, horrifying situations and their colors come out a lot more. And I was like, okay, cool. They've got a lot of depth, a lot more feel. I'm not sure why they started so shallow, but then they really grow. So that's the positive takeaway from it. But I was kind of like, what's the point of this? Like, what's the point of like, these women characters who are beholden to the men and they seem so weak and kind of throw away, but they really get fleshed out as the story goes along. They were my favorite perspectives to read from. Them and Edward Edwin Bryant. Edward Bryant is my hero. I I really <laughs> in enjoyed, this book anyway. I would have I would have read an entire book just about Edwin Bryant. Amen. A hundred percent. I would have had a, such a different reaction and experience with this book if it had just been Edwin Bryant. Edwin Bryant was a real person, and in this part of the um, journey, his story is all about. He's a journalist, and he's absolutely fascinated with Native Americans and cultures and how they live, and he has a lot of respect for them. I don't know if that is historically accurate or or not, 
but I like it in the book. Like he can even speak some uh, native dialects and things. And he writes letters. A lot of his stuff is told through letters in this book. And his voice was so, so strong. Definitely Katsu's strongest point of view in this book was when Edwin was writing. I feel that the book could have used a stronger treatment throughout the entire thing in the way that Edwin was treated in the book. There, He is such a strong character and he's such a strong uh, voice and he's someone you can rally behind. I do feel that there's a lot of points in this book that would have been made stronger by having that stronger connection to a character. Right, because the character we're supposed to... I say in your quotes, latch on to is Stanton. I did not connect with Stanton at all. I agree to have compassion for this character, but it was not a love connection between Stanton and I. I was not feeling him, and that was hard. I agree. I never really felt like I was rooting for him. I was curious about him. I liked that there's someone in the story who freaking gets it and is just kind of a normal headed person for the most part, but that didn't make me enjoy him. Part of the disconnect that I had with the characters, I want to go into more detail in the spoiler section. Totally. But I I will just say that this book is very conservative in the pace in which it gives you information of the way that characters' decisions are informed. So who would you recommend this book to as an audience? I do recommend this book to anyone who's into horror. I I think that there are some memorable descriptions of gore in particular in this book that will really appeal to horror fans. And I think that people who are interested in the Donner Party but don't know a lot about the Donner Party will really kind of enjoy this take and get an idea of what it might have been like to be trapped. I'm going to give this a general appeal score. I don't think that this is for the masses, but I definitely think it surpasses just a horror novel. I'm going to lean a little bit more towards niche because as a huge, massive horror fan and someone who, as I mentioned, really loves historical horror, this still just didn't quite work for me. So I'm having a hard time saying exactly who the audience is for this book. Maybe people, um, you know, some readers, they connect way more to story than they do to characters. And so I think that's going to appeal to more those story side than those character side readers, which is totally fine. But because I'm having a hard time just totally boxing this in, I think I'm going to leave it at niche. All right, with that having been said, let's take a spoiler break. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) I I don't know what to say. Yes, let's let's do the spoiler break. Grab a snack because, you know, you'll be hungry as we talk about the last half of this book. Yeah, that's really actually you'll lose your hunger. So eat first. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. All right, welcome back to the spoiler section. And as promised, before we totally kick off our discussion, uh, we did want to mention that trigger warning. The, the plot does not hinge upon this trigger warning, but we still want people to know that there is sexual assault in this book. And it's pretty disturbing, especially because sometimes it's um, aimed towards children. So feel warned. So with that out of the way, let's talk just all on the table about this book. So I wouldn't say it made me anywhere nearly as disgusted as the troop. 
But the troop is a very high bar to meet. You know, I thought of the troop as well reading this book, and I agree with you. This doesn't quite hit that bar. Um, But it's still gross. Yeah. Um, And effectively gross sometimes. Um, You know, it's always interesting that she took an event in history that was horrifying and fascinating and, you know, people doing taboo things and managed to make it worse, better. I don't know. I can't decide if her adding this, this is why they cannibalized element served or did not serve the history. I think the idea of making it a a supernatural disease, making it lycanthropy, skinwalkers, whatever you want to call it, I actually feel cheapens the horror of what really happened. I actually don't feel that it served it very well. Well, hold on. Let me me backtrack there because I don't think you used some terms correctly. I would say that this disease is not supernatural. It's an affliction that spreads almost more like a zombie virus. Yes. I I mean, you're right. It's not really supernatural. And it's not a skinwalker situation. For a while- Well, they call them. uh, Some of the Native Americans refer to skinwalkers. I'm just using some of the terms that were used to maybe explain uh, uh, how they explained what happened. Right. Because it it is different. It is more like a well, we know the Kesselberg men carry this gene, and they basically infected everyone in this like small piece of westward expansion in this time. And I was very happy that this was a white person disease, and it wasn't like a Native American spirit or a Native American problem that was affecting white people, which is what I was afraid was going to happen. One hundred percent. I was I was so worried about not even a quarter of the way through this book. I was like, oh, is this going to be is this really going to be some sort of unknown Native American spirit that's possessing people? And 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 just that really plays into some very troublesome ideas. Right. You have to walk those lines of like a cultural um demon entity whatever very carefully because obviously we've seen in a lot of movies it can be done quite well but at the same time it's like i didn't want it to be an excuse for why white people ate each other (laughs) you know what i mean like because that's that's where it would get into like some weird territory but instead it was like no this isn't like saying this is why this happened in history because evil brown people did this to white people no the white people actually introduced this just like smallpox and everything else thanks a lot white people (laughs) and we were kind of talking to you know history is history and it's written by the victors and whatever but you know westward expansion to a lot of people is kind of a horrifying subject of you know settlers coming and pushing people off their land and um colonizing and you know it's some some people view this time in history as not um america's proudest moment some people are very proud of westward expansion so i i like that it didn't get too political I I find it I find western expansion to be fascinating and exciting in a historical aspect but it is not one of our proudest moments. It's really actually a very sad moment in humanity, but history is filled with conquering nations. People taking over other people. Yeah. But yeah, no, I was glad that it just didn't get political like that and it yeah. wasn't saying like you know, they were right for what they did or anything. Um 
So let's talk about Stanton a little bit. I mean, I don't want to get too much more into it. I don't want to beat a dead horse that died on the, you know, the trail, <laughs> so to speak. But I I just could not connect with this man. Again, I found his story very fascinating. I had a lot of compassion for him for what he went through with his love, Lydia. Um, but I just could not connect to this character, and I need to connect to my characters. That was a really hard one for me. What I found fascinating is is I really didn't connect to him either. And he's the one character where I I knew what his backstory was a long time before it was revealed. I Right. It's alluded to. Yeah. I, I knew that he wasn't the father of her child. No. I knew it was probably a family member, almost definitely her father or someone like that. Like yeah. I, I pretty much got that from the b- very beginning. And what's fascinating is the is the problems that I had relating to most of the other characters in the book is that those those character reveals didn't really come until basically the characters were about to die. In, in his case, I did know his backstory and I still didn't really care. I don't know about the historical accuracy of um, Reed being gay either. Um, I mean, I was fine with that being in there for some kind of you know, to make this person more interesting. And I actually liked reading about the the guy that he had an affair with and everything. I, I thought that was cool. But unfortunately, it added to the bigger problem, which I ultimately see with this book, is there was just too much going on. I think that's what it boils down to, even though I liked those women characters and I liked their point of views. But then we have Stan, and then we have Edwin, and then we have people's backstories, like Kesterberg's backstory, which is also fascinating. And it's like, there is just maybe too much going on for me right now. I don't know, and I don't usually feel that way about books, but I did. Yeah, we've discussed before that that neither of us really have a large problem switching perspectives in books, but this one just has such a sheer number of characters that are quote-unquote important that you're trying to connect to. There was points three-quarters of the book in, I was like, wait, wait, who? Who is that? Right, because you've got this person who has this thing, this person who has this backstory, Alitha, who is also, like, psychic, Tamsin, who's kind of a hedge witch. I mean, there's, like, there's so much going on that you're, like, having a hard time, like, wait, what perspective am I supposed to hone into and, like, what's important from what I'm taking away right now? And it's unfortunate because there was some good stuff in there, but it all just got kind of muddy. I, I, w- I had a whole thought put together about two-thirds of the way through the book on how most of the forgettable characters could be, were actually the female characters, and that was a concern for me. And then suddenly, in the final act of the book, all of these characters came in. I'm like, okay, wait. I know I recognize the last name, Reed. Okay, which one was him? Oh, he was banished. Why was he banished? I don't remember who this guy is. And even the main even the the main guy, the 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 German guy who was from the family who had the Kesselberg, Lewis. Yeah, who had the the disease. I'm like, okay, so what were the things that he did before? I can't I can't actually remember what his character choice is. I just remember that people didn't like him. There, there was just so much happening with so many characters that it just it really became hard to keep everything straight. Kesselberg was an interesting villain. Um, you know, he's kind of this swaggering, loudmouth bully, and he beats his wife, and he's, you know, starting to sexually attack women and children, and he also has a weird cannibal disease. That right there, that's a lot going on. That's a lot going on on top of everything else, too. But whatever, he's an asshole. <laughs> but he lived. He lived. 
I feel like part of the problem that I had relating and remembering the characters is that Katsu doesn't really do anything to inform their decisions until it's too late. Do, do you agree with that? I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, think of Tamsin. The first the first thing you really learn about Tamsin is that people think she might be a witch. The second thing you learn about her is she wanders into Stanton's camp and just... Uh, convinces him to have an affair with her very very quickly that's those are the first two things you learn about her she's right, not that's a, why i thought she was shallow to begin with she's not a character she's she's a, a trope it, very much so yeah uh the only thing you learn about oh there's so many names uh uh the only thing you really learn about Elitha until later is that she kind of hears voices, might have some sort of a spiritual connection. And then later on, you do learn more about her. But there's so much of the book where she's just the daughter who is kind of different. But see, that's why I was saying this circles back to what I said earlier, that the characters, especially the women, started out very shallow, but they actually get very, very interesting as the book goes on. But maybe it's just too late because there's just so much happening. Well, I'll use Tamsin as an example, kind of to my point. Like, I started to care about Tamsin at about the point when they were trapped in the snow, which is about four-fifths of the way through the book. It's the final act of the book. And then right before the very end, you then realize, okay, it tells her, it gives you her backstory. Okay, she never really loved anyone, but what? Her brother. She never really knew love. She always, and, but, and, and this but is But she what, actually loves her kids. She does love her. I, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing a whole character study on her. My point is, none of her choices were informed until the third to last chapter of the book. I think we're saying the same thing here, that there was actually some really good character stuff that happened, but it was a slow ramp up. So it was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Oh my gosh, this is actually really interesting. Like where these, especially the female characters go and Brian too, of course. And then it's like, but it's too little too late because there's just so much going on. Let's talk about some of the horrifying stuff. I think some of the horrifying stuff is where this book can really shine. So these are kind of zombie-like creatures, for lack of a better word. You begin to go mad when you get this disease, and you have an unquenchable thirst and hunger for human flesh and blood. Now, when you're in the Kesseberg family, um, it's a lot easier to kind of pass for a sane being who isn't into that stuff, they do eventually succumb to their urges, so they kind of have to travel and move on. Um, but they don't go mad like the others do. And, you know, it's it's kind of scary that they're out there in the dark and in the woods and they're stalking people and you don't know quite what it is. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, there was some good scary stuff with that, right? There definitely is something very scary about being hunted, just in yes. general. And Katsu does a really good job of describing that fear of ramping up the tension of there are there's something in the woods. It's watching you. You see it. You know it. It's humanoid mm-hmm. and it's it's hunting you. Well, in the, in the nature of them being pioneers out on the trail, they don't have help. I mean, like, yeah, they've got guns, they're armed or whatever, and they can make fires, they can do all this, but at the same time, there's nowhere to go but forward. And for them, even scarier, they have no context. 
they don't have, you know, it's not like a, if, if you had written a story like this that took place today, every single character's heard of a zombie. Every single character has heard of, you know, contagion and things like that. And so they have something to wrap their head around about what might be happening. These characters, they've never been introduced to anything like this before. Right. Besides like some horrific stuff from the Bible, which is kind of all they have to go off of. Yeah, they don't have cable, they don't have movies, they don't have books. They don't have phones. Well, that's part of what makes historical horror interesting is this, um, you know, there are facts at hand that people are generally in trouble and with limited resource. We we touched on it in the earlier section, but the description of butchering in general, both Ugh. on animals and on humans, oh my God. was very graphic. Oh my God. It makes me glad of the choices I make with the things that I eat because I felt very justified. And it only takes little things to really do it. Uh, when the first boy who died and they found him a few miles up the trail and she's describing his head as being fully normal. If that's all you saw, it would be just like he was sleeping and then just a spinal column and 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 blood. And oh, already yeah. I was like, oh, oh, that is really horrific. There was really some good descriptions of that kind of stuff. And then she threw on top of that the icing on the cake, which is actually kind of a disgusting description, <laughs> um, is, you know, his intestines being splayed out. Oh, yeah. And that was just that that took it from being this is a horrific description to this is ho- a horrific description. Yes. She does have a very good knack of, of painting a gore picture. Oh, yeah. And I commend her for that. I really, really do. I commend her for a lot of things in this novel. It's just unfortunately the finished product didn't didn't wow and make the impression on me that I wanted it to. Which is a bummer. You're writing a story about cannibalism, and it says something when the when the scene that sticks with me the most is when she's describing them butchering the last dozen cattle, and she's describing the blood melting the snow underneath and steams of of scent Ugh. waft over them, and it's Ugh. uh it's disgusting and it's sad and it's horrifying and that's the scenes when they're butchering the animals and that's that's the scene that stuck with me the most yeah it says something that there is not description that goes quite that far when it comes to the human butchering as i said before it really makes me feel reaffirmed of my dietary choices (laughs) um oh one last absolutely horrifying nail in the coffin uh tamson's sacrifice and fucking Kesseberg sitting there ghoulishly with the axe, but thinking he's so goddamn heroic because he's saving the party and he's doing her wishes, which is to let her pass away in her laudanum chamomile and lavender sleep. Now, while I admire her sacrifice, because he basically said like, well, we're going to eat your kid next. So it was kind of like, it was a justifiable martyrdom for her family. It was just like, oh my God, it just made me hate Kesselberg so much. It just made me just even more reviled by him. Very effective. See, obviously I'm reviled by him, but I really liked the, the choices that character ended up making. I liked the justification that he had. I would have liked more of that. I would have liked a lot more of the way that he justified the decisions that he was making and the 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 butchering and the feeding instead of it being a 
end scene, this is the big reveal. I would have liked to have gotten to know him better. And I think what would have made him more of a fascinating, I don't want to say beloved, but kind of beloved in a weird Hannibal Lecter sort of way of his character, um, was if he would just remove the sexual assault part. And the fact that he beats his wife and bullies people, because then you could be, I would have been way more fascinated and into that character as having this weird cannibal disease and painting himself this weird anti-hero. But the fact that he did those things to women and children, I'm like, you just disgust me. It made him completely irredeemable. Yeah. Stupid Kessberg. Hate you. You're the worst. You, You are the worst, sir. So let's give this thing a score. What are we going to score this out of? Let's do something out of five femurs. Femurs? Yeah. Okay. Long bones, if you will. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to give this book two and a half femurs out of five. And I feel really harsh doing that because there was so much of this book that I did find very enjoyable. As I said, I was like a pinball. I was all over the place in my enjoyment of this book. But because the lows were low for me, I can't sing its praises, but I won't. Yeah, And, and that half of a femur is, is pretty long. It's a pretty good sized fragment. It's almost a three femur, but I just can't give it my full endorsement. I think The Hunger has three distinct great ideas that would make excellent novels discreetly. Um, I am going to give this two femurs out of five. Not even my long half a femur. I know. The biggest issue I have with The Hunger is that while it tries to be driven by its characters, Katsu doggedly refuses to give context to any of the rash decisions that the characters make until the immediate chapter right before they die. Um, Fair enough. It made me care little for anything that happened because I didn't care about anyone until I knew they were goners. (laughs) For me, it sucked the narrative dry of any suspense because few of the events are informed by any of the previous events of the actual story that we are living in. Instead, she relies on character histories and these things that happen before the events of the book that she doesn't actually let you know until it's kind of too late to care. Well, there you have it, everybody. What did you think of The Hunger? I hope you took more out of it than we did. Um, Not that we hated it, but we just had really weird experience with this book, to say the least. So until next time, as we continue this terrifying journey through October, please keep reading past your bedtime. (laughs) 